Hello, and thank you for listening to the Grassroots Living Soil podcast. We are on season two, episode four, I believe. Um, we have rebooted the podcast, redoing things over here uh, with a new mind frame and a new fresh look at things and tearing in deeper into living soil and really trying to examine how to truly grow the highest quality cannabis on the face of the earth. Um, it's kind of a reason why we have our guest here today is because that is a personal pursuit of his is to grow the greatest cannabis he can possibly grow. Uh, looking at the inputs, looking at the elements, looking at everything we have going in there in different ways, and also sap testing, soil testing, tissue testing, applying science wherever we can to make sure we're maximizing the plant and makes maximizing this genetics that we pay a lot of money for. Um, I'm excited today because we also get to talk a lot about genetics. Uh, that's something we don't ever really go into here in the Grassroots Living Soil podcast. Um, full knowledge awareness here. I don't know crap about lights and I don't know crap about genetics. I'm just, I've been the grower that gets really, really lucky when he gets a really quality strain or cut. And I try to do the best of it that I can. But uh, today we got somebody on the podcast who has known a lot about genetics, started a lot of seeds in his time. So uh, Grower for Life has his own website too growerforlife.com at growerforlife on Instagram. There's an underscore at the end. Um, so I'm super, super excited because I actually talk to uh, Grower for Life daily on the phone. Um, we've helped him with this conversion of going from the system and the process he was growing in before, which was in grassroots living soil raised beds. But now we got him onto Kiss Organic Soil. Now we got him on the microbe and plant food program and he's stoked. He's loving it. And we're seeing, um, seeing these issues he had fixed. Um, so without further ado, I would like to introduce Grower for Life. Thank you so much for being a good friend of mine and thank you for, uh, coming on to the podcast here. Absolutely. I uh, appreciate it. And, you know, first and foremost, I just want to say uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. I, I feel honored and I, I greatly appreciate it. Yes, thank you, man. And uh, we're going to have your camera off today to keep uh, keep your privacy because that's how it needs to be. But we got an awesome little slideshow for you to see everybody, uh, to see pictures of his garden and see everything he's doing. So you can tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How did you get started in the game? Well, um, so I've been around for a, for a minute. I started cultivating back in 1996 and, uh, pretty much, man, I, I, I got a hold of some bag seeds and I can't remember if they were local Bay area bag seeds or if they were, um, BC or brick. I just can't remember that portion of it, but, uh, fell in love with the plant itself decided that I wanted to uh, germinate some seeds. And I did my first little closet grow, uh, had a couple of the old school, you know, painter floodlights, tin foil on the walls, pretty cool. But, um, you know, I, I grew these plants out from start to finish and uh, realized that I was able to produce a bit better flower than I was actually able to find. Um, and that kind of, that just kind of started the whole, the whole uh, domino effect, man. Um, that was right around uh, the whole Prop 215 era. And I uh, was able to get a hold of my medical card um, from uh, OCBC, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Got that down here just so I could remember. Yeah, it was the Oakland, uh, Oakland Cannabis Buyers Club. Oh, um, 
I know, right? Way back, man. And actually, it was it was Dr. Micaria was the first guy here in California doing that. So I was pretty low on the on the numbers list to get my card. It was really cool. But um, that kind of started it right there. I was like, all right, man, I got a card. I can legally grow for myself now. And uh, got my first grow up and going. Had a couple of uh, a couple friends that got their cards also, and we started a um, a co-op. And uh, my first grow was uh, five thousand watts of bloom. Kind of, you know, just kind of went for it, man. Five thousand watts of bloom. I had about eighteen hundred watts of pre-veg, um, you know, for my babies and my pre-veg. And then I actually had off to the side. I had a two by four bed uh, filled with, um, and what did I use? A uh, hydro ton for my drainage and mm. filled with soil. And uh, I think I had like a 400 over it, but I did a really cool little bed. And so that was kind of like my first experience with soil. We were doing, um, we were doing a vermiculite perlite peat moss, uh, wick system with, uh, GH, um, in the, in the big room which um, to be honest with you, man, I think, I think GH, GH and Fox Farm were the only like hydroponic type grow nutrients available on the market at that point. So no additives, no nothing, man. It was just, uh, you know, uh, micro grow bloom or Fox Farm, big grow and big bloom. That was kind of it. So, um, so that's kind of where it started. And, uh, you know, from there I went to, I've done, a, I've done a bunch of different types of uh, media, but I pretty much ended up in like a cocoa, uh, cocoa type media, uh, mixed cocoa type media, and then kind of moved into actual soil, which we all know is really like a soilless mix. It's not dirt out of the side of the hill. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, a bunch of different, uh, um, yeah, different different medias mixed together. To mixed together, that. exactly. Thank you. Um, so yeah, and that's kind of what I've kind of what I've ran for the last, I'd have to say, 12, 13 years, maybe even a little bit longer. All organic nutrients, or as organic as you can get out of a bottle. Um, kind of pride myself in trying to be as clean as possible. So. Hey man, that's one hell of a way to start, man. Uh, yeah, so it really is. You've been using beds forever, then. Yeah, you know, I was I was kind of looking back at some pictures, and I feel like my first experience in beds was 15 years ago on the dot. So oh, wow. and kind of a while ago, and you know, funny because one of my partners was doing it, and I thought he was crazy, and uh, you know, indoors. I was like, hey man, that's that's meant for outdoors, and he's like, no, nah, no. Nah, you gotta try it. <laughs> Thought he was crazy. I went ahead and took the leap of faith, and uh, you know, never looked back. Great, great. That's beautiful, man. Uh, can you go down to one of your pictures of uh, your grow with the raised beds there? Absolutely. So, um, right now, maybe tell us a little bit about a garden update going on in this room. Garden update. Yeah, exactly. So, base. So, basically, right here, you are looking at the at the first room that I converted over to uh, living soil. So KISS Organics, um, Biochar, No-Till Living Soil. Um, I just noticed something. Um, 
you did your trellis pipes at the top longer so they arch out vertically or horizontally almost that looks like you something you did on purpose there right or is that just uh, we did we did that on purpose um kind of noticed that as the um as the plants were getting uh you know uh, vertically larger um the actual three by three area was just a bit too compact so we tried to spread it out just to kind of open the plants up a little bit and you know it helps it helps it's a little bit easier to get in there and defoliate you know if anything that's a little more you know a little more light down a little bit of air circulation and uh, i'm guessing you got two four six somewhere around eight beds in that room yeah there's eight beds in this room they are they're all three by three beds, um, grass roots, fabric pots, um, the living soil bed with the liner in them, which by the way, Tyler are amazing. Um, yeah. Cause a long time you were using just the normal beds without the liner. And I think I shipped you some on accident or something like that. And you're like, Oh, I guess I just got to use it. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, <laughs> oops on my end was that the beds were taking a day and a half to two longer to dry out. And I, I remember jumping on the phone with you and saying, Tyler, you know, the only thing that I'm noticing is, is instead of a, you know, three and a half to four day dry down, I'm getting five days out of them. Like, I think I like that. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I can go on vacation. Let's go camping. Yeah. Right. So it actually helped. <laughs> good. Good. Um, yeah. Sorry. I just got a little distracted with everything going on in the room. So that's also one light per bed that you got going on there. Yeah, correct. So it's one light per bed. They are Gavita 645s. The uh, well, they're this. They're the 1700Es, uh, 645 watts. And I believe. Let's see if we can. We'll jump to the next slide here. If it shows, probably in the next slide or two, you'll be able to see the PPFD meter. So I do monitor uh, PPFD through um, pre-veg, late veg, and then obviously through bloom. In the middle of the room, you can kind of see dangling down a uh, a three-in-one sensor and a CO2 sensor. It's all run. It's all run by a, a Trollmaster system, so you know all the data is recorded, documented. I'm able to look back previous days, hours, days, months, whatever I'm, exactly I'm looking for in case I see any uh, any issues. And are you changing the intensity of the lights through the growth cycle? Uh, I am. Um, so I don't want to get too in depth into that. <laughs> that's, that's proprietary now, but, um, I do. So I, I, I typically start with a low PPFD and veg. Um, you know, the whole, the whole led thing was a huge learning curve for me. You know, again, we can jump back to the whole, you know, prop two fifteen era, which was, really remember the like double-ended gavitas back then and stuff like that no it wasn't even uh wasn't even double-ended it was single-ended bulbs and then we jumped over with these giant magnetic ballasts that weighed you know 50 pounds it was kind of crazy but uh and then we you know we all switched over to the double-ended gavitas which you know there was a, a big learning curve with that also it uh it behooved you to have like 12 foot ceilings in your in your growing area because you really needed like a good, you know, 36 to 48 inches from uh, top of your canopy to the bottom of your bulb, which is kind of crazy. But, um, and then, you know, the LEDs came along and 
you know, we all were chuckling about them in the industry for a long time. And, and then technology got better and, and a couple companies started, started producing uh, some LEDs that were, that were top notch, man. Um, I, myself, I prefer Gavitas. So that's just the company that I like. And a big learning curve though, like I was starting to say. So yeah, I do, I do start with a low intensity and kind of just like with, you know, double ended, you kind of got to start around the whole 600 watt ish and, uh, you know, work your way up to, you know, full intensity. Beautiful. Yeah. You uh, hand watering this room or is this one a room that you're going to set up on the blue mats? Okay. So this room, yeah. So I was a little bit behind the curve and this is, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm always an open book, man. I can, I can always be honest about everything. I was overly excited about making the jump to living soil. Um, and we can get into why I made that jump over to living soil in a couple of minutes. But I was overly excited, got my living soil, didn't really realize what it was going to take to set up the irrigation system. Irrigation is from, uh, from, from Blue Mat and um, was a little behind on that. But I figured I could handle it with uh, hand watering. This soil is a little bit of a different beast compared to a typical soil or like a typical type cocoa substrate. Um, you're trying to keep your moisture levels as balanced and even as possible. So I basically was hand watering like every other day, about 30 or so gallons to keep my moisture where I needed it. It was a bit, a bit of a pain, but, um, I eventually got the, uh, the irrigation system set up and functioning as best as I can at this point. Still got a little bit of dialing in to do and understanding it. But now it's all on drip irrigation and uh, it handles itself. So it's, it's really nice. But that's really not much water. That's 3.75 gallons per three by three bed. I mean, yeah, that's not that much it's water. It's, it's really not. If you look at it from a from the, from the aspect of watering that every other day. Um, I know that the, that these beds, well, this entire room itself will hold right around 55 to 60 gallons of water with, I'm going to say zero runoff, but that's like a 500 mil cup in the bottom of the tray, which to me is zero runoff. And that's basically what you're trying to achieve with living soil. So pretty much that's kind of what I went off of was the first couple of really good soakings. I realized 50, 60 gallons and, um, and then watched dry back happen a couple of times and, and realized that is, I could pretty much do about 30 gallons every other day. And I, I would achieve my proper M bars I was looking for or moisture level in the soil. Awesome. Yeah. Let me jump to the next slide here for you. Ba -bam. Okay. So let's talk about why I switched over to living soil. Yes. So um wife uh wife had uh, breast cancer a couple of years ago and decided that um decide, decided that i wanted wanted a cleaner product uh wasn't sure what direction to go at that point um kind of started seeing some issues in my gardens don't want to get too deep into that one but realized that it was time for me to make the switch over to the living soil 
Um, again, I'm going to emphasize on the whole breast cancer thing. You know, the flowers that are being produced, we want as clean as possible. I'm 100% for clean product, no pesticides, fungicides, um, you know, all organic pest prevention and SOPs, all, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I also kind of realized that the carbon footprint that I was producing um, of all the waste, um, you know, pretty much the natural resources that I was depleting. And what I mean by that is, you know, using the soil once and throwing it away. So natural resources to make that soilless soil, uh, the plastic bags that it goes in, the transport from point A to point B, um, me transporting it, me picking it up, yeah. putting it in the beds, throwing away the bags, and then at the end of the run, you know, repeat. It's got to go to the dumps, and it's got to get transported again, and then it goes into our landfills. All the plastic, I'm, I'm repeating myself on a couple of things, but the plastic bags, the plastic bottles, just the, the footprint that I was producing, I wasn't happy with either. So I realized with, after doing a bunch of research, I realized with the living soil that I only had to buy the soil one time. And from what I understand, I should get, you know, four to five plus years out of the soil as long as I treat it properly. And it's water only other than organic amendments and, um, you know, your products as well, the grassroots uh, micro builder and the superfood and superfood mycorrhiza. Um, there really is like, there's no trash involved. So it's a very clean system. Which feels damn good. I bet. It really does. It actually really does. Good. And is that, is that, uh, one of the biggest motivation points, obviously, in doing this. 100%. So, so two main motivation points are cleaner product for me, my wife, and anybody that may come into contact with my flowers. And then second is, you know, I'm getting older. I know we really have to work on our planet. And uh, I just, the, the carbon fo footprint thing is really starting to, you know, bug me. <laughs> so I, I have to... Uh, put in as much to fix that as I possibly can while I'm here. Good, good. It's you doing your part. Yeah, me doing my part, exactly. Great. I always love looking at all your... I love when you post a photo, like, every day, too. You get to see the grower for life on, on Instagram. I really try to... I really try to, to post, you know as much as I can, just so the community can kind of see what's going on. So let's talk a little bit about flowers here, some genetics. And what's that so say, DD or BB on the, the tag there? So it says BB Jam, so it's Blackberry Jam. So Blackberry Jam is a, it's a hybrid cross of uh, Gusher Pie number three and um, Kraken Genetics Peanut Butter Breath Mail. So Blackberry Jam is Gusher Pie number three crossed with Kraken Genetics Peanut Butter Breath Mail. Um, and the, uh, the peanut butter breath is Dosi -si Dough times Mendo Breath. And in mm. case anybody, um, you know, was wondering, we can get into the breakdown of the Gusher Pie in a little bit. But she's an interesting one. Um, she, she really 
on, on the, on the nose, the, the dried flowers, she really smells of like black licorice, like anise and mm-hmm. an interesting, like blackberry grape jam with almost like a molasses type cookie, uh, smell to her. And it definitely translates. So the smell translates through onto the palate. Um, very, very tasty. Uh, a very unique uh, cultivar. And that's not the main, that's not your main, main one though. That's just one of your, one of your other yeah, girls. So that was just, yeah, that was a breeding project. So the main one is the Gusher Pie number three. That's what I'm, that's what I'm known for. And uh, the Gusher Pie number three, it's bred by Green Fire Genetics. And I got a pack of seeds back in 2019. And we did a pheno hunt. And if I remember correctly, I think I, I think I germinated, I think eight seeds out of the pack. It was a pack of twelve. I knew it was special. It was a special release at that point. So I germinated eight. And if I remember correctly, I think I found three or four, like real keepers out of it. And it was the number three pheno, number four pheno, and the number seven pheno. I can't quite remember what the fourth one was. I could be off. There might have only been three of them. But the number three is what I am known for. And the breakdown, the lineage on that is um, it is Gushers times Rainbow Pie number six male. And the Rainbow Pie, the Rainbow Pie is Skittles times Grand Blueberry Pie. And Grand Blueberry Pie was created by pollinating the F1 Derb mm-hmm. with the Great Flame Male. This lineage gets pretty deep. <laughs> wow. The great, yeah, the Great Flame is Granddaddy Purple crossed with Granddaddy Blueberry. So it's just going back into these old, old strains. It's just a remix kind of like of something that's like the most, some of my favorite strains from back in the day. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I'm gonna try to pull up a uh, pull up a picture here for you. So there she is in the that's in the garden, and I would say that that's probably right about harvest time. That's right around 63 to 65 days. Might be a little bit earlier, actually. I take that back. Still have a lot of like white uh, white pistols there. So eh, this is probably like in the middle 50s, to be honest with you. So you go a little bit longer waiting for a few more of those hairs to turn brown before you harvest? Yeah, typically. So with the GP3, it's typically a 63, 65 to 67 max. Um, that's kind of where I've noticed, um, kind of where I've noticed she's, she typically finishes at. Have you ever done any outdoor projects with it? Um, I have not. Hmm. I have not. I don't, you know, my... My, my outdoor experience is very little. I'll be honest with you. I've done a couple really cool grows. They were a while ago. Um, just I'm an indoor guy. Indoor guy at heart. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I've just always wondered because it's so interesting sometimes to see people when they, they just they're so used to a strain. They're so used to a genetic and then they run it outdoors or they run it in a different situation. They're like, oh, my God, it's totally different. You know, could be, yeah. could be you know, just a different version. But, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I think about maybe five, six years ago, I did do it's about five or six years ago. 
I had another variety that I was very well known for, um, the Platinum Cookie Monster. In fact, yeah. Tyler, that's when that's when I met you, man. I, I want to yeah. say those are the first flowers that I gave you. Yeah, I remember that. That's when I had you saved in my phone as best indoor weed. I was I didn't know your name. I didn't have anything. I just said just like this guy gave me jars of weed when he bought some beds and I'm just going to save it in my phone as best indoor weed. And when he calls again, I'm not going to forget. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, man. I love that. Yep. I, was I like, did a best indoor weed. I got to answer this call. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It makes me feel really good, man. I'm, 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 I'm blessed and I feel honored to hear that kind of stuff. <laughs> So I, I did do a little outdoor project with the uh, Platinum Cookie Monster, and I'm, I'm going to say that it came out just as good outdoors as it did indoors. Um, I don't, I mean, it's been so long, I, I don't really remember if there was a different Turk profile that came off of it, but I, I feel like I feel like it was pretty much the same. Yeah, sorry, I got so that's a second there. I like it. I love outdoor growing, so I had to ask. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's but that's about the extent of it. Other than throwing like maybe a plant on my patio or something, <laughs> it's not. I don't have an extensive outdoor history. I think that's a really just important point to make: is how you get good at growing is growing the same thing over and over again and noticing these things, noticing these trends, and seeing how it is. And I, I find it's not common. We find people that like you have been holding on to these strains for so long and, and, and continuing to go on with them. Cause it's like, sometimes people have one little problem or one pack didn't sell for as much as it is. So then they throw out the strain. You know, I think that's uh, an important reason why you've gotten to this point because you, you don't just change, you know, I, I don't. And, and, you know, I like to, um, I like to flower something out a good, good four or five times before I really make that decision. So if you're talking about, you know, cycle in a, in a year, um, you know, that would be like a year to a year and a quarter, you know, to get that many cycles out of an actual cultivar to see really what it's going to do. Cause typically, so when I'm doing a pheno hunt, you know, I find a couple phenos that I like, you know, we'll just be fictitious here, but let's say I've you know, pop 25 seeds, I don't know, and 10 of them are males. So I'm left with 15 females and I'll bloom out those 15. I'll, I'll start moms, obviously, and then I'll take cuttings and I'll bloom out, you know, one of each one of those phenos. And out of those 15, maybe I'll end up with, you know, I don't know, let's just say seven that I really, really like the other seven. They get, uh, they get killed, thrown in the garbage. And then I'll run those seven again. And those seven will become probably two. And then those two on a, on a small, smaller scale, they'll get ran again just to really see, um, see stability. And I'm looking for stability in a couple of, couple different areas, a stability, like, um, you know, hermaphrodite wise, um, or any, any funky traits. Um, second's going to, going to be to see if the turt profile changes. Um, and third, if the look of the overall plant Kind of changes because I have noticed that, and this is through tons and tons of seed popping. So I'm not directly pointing any breeders out, period, because I've seen it happen with multiple different um, varieties. Um, you know, I'll flower it out a couple of times. I'll, I'll have my keeper phenos and I'll flower them out a couple of times, and I will have a have a plant that stops turning as deep purple per se. 
like it was a beautiful, vibrant purple the first couple of runs, and then it kind of doesn't really do it too much anymore. Hmm. Um, and then I've also noticed that the turp profiles will change. I may have like a beautiful fruity boutique, and that kind of tends to change a little bit, and it doesn't it doesn't hold its its uh, its traits. And I don't know if that's just drift in the in the in the in the parents. In the, in the lineage of the parents. So it, it tends to drift more towards maybe the mom or the dad. Um, I'm not a breeder, dude. So I don't, I don't, you know, I stay in my lane. <laughs> I don't get into that. That's for the breeders to talk about. I just, I have data and I know what I've seen. And I know that when I'm looking for a real keeper, that's how I tend to treat them. So they'll get ran, you know, for a good year, year and a half before I'm like, okay, you know, I really, really like this. And then it kind of gets put into a little bit bigger of a situation. And typically I'm, you know, running a particular cultivar for, you know, five to six years. So, um, and if they're, if they're grown really well, people don't get tired of them. Plain and simple. Amen. Amen. They come back asking for it and begging for exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, are you seeing any, uh, uh what's your life expectancy you think for the gp3 longer are you planning on keeping that one forever do you think you know if you'll find something new one day or so i'm always stumbling across new stuff but the gp3 has such amazing traits um if if i start seeing uh, any issues with her like um Kind of, kind of losing what I want to say here, but any genetic drift or degradation, I think that's right. Changes in the strain. Or yeah, changes in the strain, just not as vigorous. Um, she'll just be used as breeding stock. Um, I haven't seen that yet, so I don't notice any of that at this point, but um, she'll she'll just be used as breeding stock. I like uh, that. And that actually, She's not going away. She's still going to be there. <laughs> 100%. And that brings up another good point, too. Um you're the first to know about this. I've actually got a breeding project going on with green fire genetics. So Ooh. yeah, and this is, this is the announcement to everybody. <laughs> well, thank uh, you for doing that on the, on the show here. We appreciate that. Absolutely. So she does have a cut of the GP three for me. Oh, and, um, so you gave up the cut finally. Cause I know I've asked you for it and you were like, bro, I don't know if you're good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm kind of weird you know i'm kind of weird that's uh, not weird that's 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 legit <laughs> that's a legit <laughs> way to answer the question right dp3 green fire's got that now and uh she is actually doing a um, a reversal on it so i should have uh f2 seeds from the gp3 and what that'll allow me to do is in hopes I can hunt and find something that is as good, if not better, than the GP3 itself. But typically, when you do a, a reversal on something, the prodigy, you're going to see more of like the grandparents' lineage. So, you know, that's really cool, though, because I might get a little bit more of the granddaddy or potentially more of the blueberry out of it. Um, Hunting out so more of that purple, because I'm just a huge fan. I just really love growing strains that turn purple. It just feels so satisfying for some stupid reason. Yeah, like me too. I always have, you know, and I, I really tend to like gravitate towards the ones that are really like technicolored. So they're, so they've got that, like, 
you know, the, the Welch's great purple, the lighter hues of purple, maybe some pinks, maybe a little bit of silver to them. Like I really like the technicolor type type flowers. I know that might, might be going. I love how deep, you but... explain things, man, and go into such detail about things. It's <laughs> like, it's, it's a, like, you know, especially when you're t- explaining flavors and tastes and smells, like I have got an, I've got like a really good palette, but I think yours is on another level with how you're describing these things, man. That's awesome. Well, I, I'll be honest with you, okay? Again, always an open book. I've got curators around me. Um, I, I know how to do what I do really well, and I've got curators around me that I give the flowers to, and I get feedback from all of them, and then I'm actually more able to taste it on my palate. Yeah. So People you know, describe I, it, and you're like, oh, that is that. Oh, I do. St- oh, I didn't notice that, you know? Exactly. So I do put faith into other people. And I'm okay saying that. <laughs> Got to put some faith in me. I'd love to try some for you. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll take care of you. Absolutely. So the one pictured right here is the taro gelato. And so really quick, that blackberry jam was bred by Kraken Genetics. That's another really good friend of mine. So is this taro gelato. And so the taro gelato is GP3 crossed with acai berry gelato bx damn and that's from kraken genetics and so the taro gelato again one of this one of these really interesting uh cultivars that has a very distinct unique profile that comes off of her and it's 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 pretty much freshly baked buttered croissants Okay, so like if you were to walk into like a bakery, you, you would that smell doughy, that doughy flavor, that, that doughy buttery type flavor, a very interesting creamy gelato. There's there's a lot of berry involved in there too, like some blueberries and whatnot. But she has a really interesting like chemical type smell. So not gas, but almost like the chems from from Chem Dog. Something that I think a lot of. Uh, well, a lot of the industry is missing at this point. I agree. So very, very loud. <laughs> are any of these, uh, I'm, I'm assuming they're just hybrids. Are any of them Indicas or Sativa dominant, dominant at all? So they're all hybrids. Yeah, correct. Um, you know, that whole Indica Sativa thing, there's so much like, uh, what is it? Controversy and p- politics involved in that. Um, I would say that most of everything that I'm that I'm uh, growing or flowering out leans leans more towards the indica dominant. And from what I understand, love the indicas. What's that? I said I love the indicas. Yeah, exactly. And m- most of my stuff is going to pretty much give you a really really narcotic effect, make you want to eat everything in the house, and <laughs> make you take a nap. <laughs> so. Um, they're not really too racy. Um, a lot of them are broadleafed, you know, leans towards the whole indica thing. Um, yeah. And I was, I was kind of saying, you know, from what I understand and doing research, the whole indica sativa thing, and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I understand that's more of a description from like um, where the land race varieties actually came from. And it more describes like, the leaf structure 
and the height of the plant. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the effects it gives you. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I think we, I, it's, I'm really glad you uh, brought that up because um, I really like those leaf structure plants is what I should be saying. Not, I like the effect it gives me. I, I like the leaf structure of that plant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause you know, I can have a short squatty plant that looks super indica in my mind. And then, you know, once you've consumed it, it has very heavy indica traits like the, you know, the narcotic, um, and you know, the munchies and the making you really want to go to sleep, but it can all be racy at the same time. And so typically racy, uh, you know, means sativa, but in my mind, it's more plant structure and that's kind of what I go by. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So let me jump to one more slide for you. I don't see the ube in here. That's okay. The ube is the sister or the cousin of the taro gelato. And uh, again, it is, it's, it's Gusher Pie 3 um, crossed with Kraken Genetics Acai Berry Gelato BX. And it was in a, it was in a hunt that I did of, I think I only did about 20, 20, maybe 25 seeds at that point. And I found these two and they're both just amazing. The, the ube, um, her profile is very much so like, um, like sesame oil. I think of like sesame oil and a lot of different mixed nuts, the oil type smell, yeah. um, a, a very interesting berry, which is coming out of the gelato, very interesting berry, or excuse me, coming out of the GP three, but, but a creaminess of the gelato. And then a very interesting Reese's peanut butter type tone. So, and I don't mean Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, if you were to go to the store and get a jar of Reese's peanut butters, peanut butter and smell it, it, that's exactly what this smells like with that whole chemical type, uh, smell on the back end, not gas, but like chemical, almost like a, like a turpentine type chemical. Mm. Yeah. She's an interesting one. So in this one right here, Tyler, whew, this is the next one that's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take the world over, man. That's <laughs> one number eight. Look at that girl; she's wild. She is wild. So, me and Greenfire, uh, I'm gonna say like maybe a year and a half or two ago, came to an agreement that no more Gusher Pie F1 seeds would be sold; that they would strictly be for me to. Um, pheno hunt and uh, continue my search for the holy grail in the gusher pies okay. and this number eight is the complete opposite spectrum of the gp3 so out of a i think it took me about 50 or 60 seeds to find this one and it kept popping up had this very interesting kind of lemony, orangey, peachy, mango-ish. Sometimes it kind of had a rotting fruit to it. Other times it kind of smelled like almost like a like a like like uh, fruit rinds, like watermelon rinds and and uh, cantaloupe rinds. I know the exact smell you're you're talking about. Okay. Oh yeah, dude. And I kept getting these phenos. 
that they didn't, they didn't have any color to them. They were always super green. And, uh, which I kind of was like, eh, mm. I don't like that. Not checking all eh. the boxes. Yeah. Not the prettiest smell great, but you're not the most beautiful. So you're not a keeper. Right. But I kept getting these tones and I, and I, and I knew that there was something special, knew that there was something special. So I kept looking and looking and looking and lo and behold, I found this number eight. And so she very much so her profile smells like a sour Skittles. So if you're familiar with the, with the variety or the strain Skittles, you know what that, what that smells like, what the nose is, the boutique. So her boutique is very much sour Skittles. She has a very interesting lime orange push pop, very heavy mangoes with that interesting uh, fruit rind types uh, smell to her. No gas at all. Gosh, I, I, the whole time you're saying this, man, all I can think about is I hope there's some day that you can make this into a concentrate too at some point, man. That seems like that would make one of the best dabables ever. That's that's in the works. That's what we're kind of trying to do. So this this is my sec, uh, second or third run in bloom with her. And so far, so good. Stable continues um showing me the same traits over and over and over so at this point i just have to put her on a little bit of a into a bigger situation where i can have um where i can have access to a little bit of flour to make some concentrates out of them and see what happens but yeah yeah we're both on the same page it's going to be unbelievable and it's hard to distract you here i know you probably got more to talk about on this but i realize that I, I haven't how do you grow your moms and what do you grow your moms in? Oh, okay. So I switched um, everything over to living soil, including my moms. So I know a lot of people out there that when they do their moms in soil, um, they're still doing like, you know, synganic, uh, synganics. Uh, so, you know, salt nutrients, whether it's organic salt nutrients out of a bottle or um, just straight synthetic um, I chose not to go down that path because I want my everything from the start to be as clean as possible. So, you know, from clone to mom to, you know, end flower. So I switched them all over to uh, living soil and did some tests to figure out how long they would last in the soil um, until they needed some food. Started testing your guys's food out, the, uh, the grassroots um, Micro the superfood veg and the micro builder and realized that that was my food of choice for them. So basically they go into the living soil. There's enough food in there for, eh, I mean, I pop them into, you know, obviously they start, you know, as, as clones and they, they, you know, they get up potted from a, into a four by four into a one gallon and then they end up in a 15 gallon pot. Perfect. And about, Oh, sorry, what's that? I said perfect. That's exactly what I was going to ask you is your up-potting process and what size container you're using. Yeah, so, you know, clone to a 4x4 four four pot, 4x4 four four pot into a 1-gal, and then 1-gal into, depending on how much room I have for my moms, I'll either I'll either pop them into like a 3-gallon like a or I'll just go right into my 10 or my 15. Um in the 10 gallons, I realized in the living soil that's already charged with um, organic amendments, get about, about four weeks 
five weeks on a really, really aggressive mom. And then you start seeing a bit of nutrient deficiencies. So I started testing out your superfood veg in small increments along with the micro builder, which the micro builder I use on everything goes into my beds. I do my tea Tuesdays, which I was instructed to do by you. <laughs> and I follow that routine. Uh, and, and for a Tuesday, while, you, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I also just wanted to key in there that you, for a little while, were using the micro builder to build nutrients in the soil, but using very, very little of our actual fertilizer or activator uh, plant food. Uh, Correct. Great. Yeah. Now you're using it on a much larger scale because in that situation, you had already had a, a nutrient charged soil. So we didn't Correct. need the fertilizer side of things of my program. You only needed the microbes. Now with the moms, then you're using both on a much higher scale because trying to preempt that fourth week loss of nutrients. 100% correct. And so I started with lower doses of the, you know, as a, again, as a veteran, I've always known to start at quarter strength and then, you know, half strength, full strength, so on and so forth. So you don't end up burning up plants. And I started out with low doses and realized really quick that, you know, full strength or above was, was the best bet. Not to mention Tyler, um, the superfood veg as a full year at full strength with a little bit of micro builder in there is absolutely amazing. And you can kind of decrease how much food you're using in the soil. If you're foliaring more often, um, I figured out a nice little balance and, and, you know, I'll just throw it out there. I, I basically, I, I feed, once a week with the superfood veg and the micro builder. And then I foliar on Fridays. So I'll foliar the superfood with a little bit of microbe. And um, for those rooms that you got eight beds in, are you using like a 30 gallon drum? Like what kind of dispensing are you using to feed that? Yeah, I use, I use a 30 gallon drum. And so on Tuesdays, typically if I've got my irrigation system up and going, I'm able to do a good, um, top drench with about, let's see, about 20 gallons. So I, I can go through and do two waterings through the entire room of 10 gallons and get about the top two to three inches uh, saturated with the micro builder and, um, and a pinch, got to throw this in there too, and a pinch of either veg or bloom to activate the micro builder um, without throwing off the, um, the carrots or the, the blue mat system. So it doesn't affect it too much is what I've, is what I've kind of noticed. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, back to the whole mom's thing. So that's kind of my, kind of my routine now is they get fed on, you know, Monday or Tuesday, and then they get a full year on uh, Friday or Saturday. And I'm telling you the, the rate of growth, the explosive amount of rate of growth is, uh, is amazing with your guys' products. So can't, can't say enough about it. That's what I try to tell people, man, is every year that I grow outdoors that my soil's improving and this stuff is going and I'm using more and more of these products that every year I'm going to have to start planting later and later because of how vigorous my plants are. You know, like I planted at like the 5th of July this year in my outdoor crop. And I still like, yeah, I was complaining about my plants are too big. I can't handle this. There's too much going on. So it's like people like are blown away that I can take a plant from 24 inches tall to, you know, three feet above my head in such a short amount of time. But this is how you do it. You feed the plants you and you use foliar feeding, not as IPM, 
which it kind of is IPM because if there's a bug there, you can get smacked in the face with a bunch of microbes. It's kind yeah. of an issue, you know? So mm -hmm. it is kind of an IPM, but the point is, is he's feeding the plant via the leaf surface and then feeding the plant via the root surface. So it's just like a major point for you. If you're a listener right now, you should be foliar feeding your plant, not just foliar IPMing your plant. I personally feel like it like loses health when you put all these chemicals on there for IPM stuff compared 100%. to feeding it. So sorry, my little tangent there, guys. Just had to go. No, no. You know, Tyler, and I'm going to hit on something that's that's kind of funny. You were just talking about how you can turn a, a small plant into this gigantic plant so quick. Um, I, I, I want to hit on your superfood mycorrhiza. So when you introduced me to these products, you were telling me to do a um, – this is a little, little secret, okay, proprietary information here I'm giving out. <laughs> but uh, you had told me about doing a superfood mycorrhiza and microbuilder. Um, as a whole plant and, um, you know, uh, wh whatever type of plug you, uh, you propagate that, um, or excuse me, that you, you root that cutting in. So basically I use rapid rooters at this point and I do a, a whole plant dunk in a bucket and then I plant them into the, uh, into the soil. And I'm just talking about speed and vigor here. Okay. Cause this is yeah. what I ran into and it's a, it's a great problem to have. Um, so first experience I had was I did the whole plant uh, dunk, popped them into a little four by four plant. Typically, without using your product, I would expect that plant to last about 14 to 18 days before it really needed to be transplanted. I might be able to squeeze 21 days out of it, but at that point, it really needed to be, um, you know, up, up potted into like a one gallon or maybe just into the beds. And, it, and they generally would have like, pretty good amount of roots on them. Um, first time I did a dip, if I remember correctly, I don't have my, I keep really good log books of everything. I don't, don't have my notes in front of me, but I seem to remember it was about 12 days Ooh. and it had already outgrown that pot. Jeez. And I was kind of, you know, what's that? Half the time. Yeah. Half the time. And I, you know, and I'm obviously I'm, you know, you know, turning the plant upside down and pulling the, pulling the pot off, you know, to check, see what kind of root growth I'm getting. Cause I'm just kind of ADD about stuff. Yeah. And I was blown out of the water at how fast I filled that pot. So, and, and typically, um, well, let's, let's actually, let's, let's jump up to the, the one gallon. So I kind of was like, Oh man, I'm, you know, I'm five to seven days ahead of where I should be. This is great. So I pop them into the one gallons. I, oh, excuse me. Let me go back. I do a, root drench of superfood mycorrhiza and the micro builder on the four by four pot, the starter and the plant whole dunk into a five gallon bucket. It's a little messy, but whatever, you know, gotta get your hands dirty, uh -huh. pop them into the one, into the one gallons. And I'm figuring eh, I should have at least 14 days with no problem. Within five days, I had uh, I roots hanging. Seven days, five days. Holy shit. No, five days, man. And I'm, and I'm using, so my little, they're, they're actually not really one gallons. They're three quarter gallons. They're the white pots from Hydro Farm. I can't yeah, the remember square what the ones. name is. Yeah, the square yeah. ones with the holes in the sides. Yeah, with the holes in the sides, which I like because you can actually see what's going on when you start getting little uh, uh, roots popping out. But dude, five days, boom. I had roots like half an inch long hanging out all over the sides of the pot. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're like, I so, just did this. I, I need more yeah. time. I'm not ready to I need change. more time. Yeah. 
So, and I'm trying to get my beds ready to get everything planted. And what, it, what ended up happening was the plants were, were rooted so aggressively and were growing so aggressively that I basically was watering them just about on a daily basis to keep them from drying out. Mm, maybe so a bit of soil in that pot. Just destroy. Right. So my whole, my whole point to this is you're talking about taking a small plant and turning it into this giant plant in this short amount of time, hundred percent starts with, um, with the root base. And I, I'm, I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer now in the, uh, the micro, the uh, superfood mycorrhiza and the micro builder worst problem I've ever, the best worst problem I've ever had was trying to keep up with the plant. Generally I'm like, come on, come, come on. on. Come on. <laughs> and and this and now I'm like, whoa, relax. We gotta slow things down here. So I've kind of, I've kind of adjusted my schedule. Um, I've adjusted when I take cuttings now. Typically I take cuttings at about 25 days of bloom. And I don't mean off the blooming plants, I mean off of my mom's. I would yep. take cuttings at 25 days of bloom on the on the room that's in flower. And I would have plants that were pre uh, pre-vegged plants ready to go into that room on the, basically the day of harvest. And now I'm feeling like I can probably do that at about like 40 days of bloom. Wow. So that's a pretty big jump, dude. That includes cuttings, rooting of the cuttings, transplanting into the four by four pots. And then whether I go into the one gallon or not, that just kind of depends. Did you ever get any of the bottomless pots or we haven't done that yet? Still working on that. That's a, that's a work in process, Okay, but it's going to happen. I yeah. ask about that real quick. Cause my mind's all crazy with everything I've been dealing with. I don't remember if we went that far or not. Yeah, definitely. Just trying to figure out the exact apparatus. I, I think I just found the, the trays that I'm going to use um, for the racking system. So that was the biggest there's been a lot of changes out in the hydro industry and the, the products you can and can't get a hold of now. So kind of took me a minute to find the actual trays for the bottomless pots, you know, plants to sit in. Wow, but, man. So you've had to adjust everything, your schedule, which is for the benefit, for the good, you know, hundred um, percent. So with these changes, do you think there's been a reduction in labor or raisin labor? No, there's been a, a, a definite reduction. So I typically was, no matter how you look at it, I typically was hand watering at least every four to five days. Um, and, you know, all the work that goes into mixing your, doesn't matter what you're using, if it's in a bottle and you have to put it in, in your reservoirs um, and pH it, make sure all your water temps are right. It takes a lot of time. So that is gone now. It's basically, you know, dry amendments. And for the most part, those amendments go into the soil. Um, room gets harvested. Uh, soil gets lightly tilled. Amendments go in. It gets lightly tilled again. And then you're replanting and you're just using basically water and, um, and the microbe builder. And then, you know, like we were saying, foliaring of microbe uh, builder and uh, superfood. So, yeah, huge reduction. Good, good. That's what I want to hear. Do you stop feeding at any point of the grow cycle, or do you take it all the way up until you're harvesting? Um, well, I, I pretty much stop my full years at about 
right around like 15 to 17 days of bloom. And that Good. just kind of depends on flower set, yeah. how comfortable I am. Um, I pretty much don't, man. There's a couple little things, you know, that I would rather not talk about that I do, <laughs> that I do on the beds that have to do with a little bit of food at a couple stages, but it's not much. It's not really you much. Go, it's guys. Just, you got to guess what the secret sauce is. <laughs> yeah, it's just meant to keep things moving. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Because I think a lot of people like, I know it's more of an outdoor grower thing, but they're like, oh, I'm like a week or two from harvest, so I'm going to stop feeding now. And I just realized that was the biggest mistake every single time. So just keep going, man. Don't stop. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in the other soil that I used to use, my last feed would be, let's see if I can remember this, 43, day 43 or day 45. And that was generally how my schedule landed because it was if I was watering every four to five days, I typically would do my last feeding on, um, like I said, 43 to 45 and then just water till, you know, till the middle 60s. So you, you got you to gotta allow the plants to, in my opinion, you got to allow the plants to eat up everything out of the media. Um, I don't necessarily like... Again, this is all just this is all just me. I don't necessarily like getting rid of everything in the media. I don't like seeing heavy, heavy yellowing, or I should say, like um, fall type effects. I like seeing a bit of that going on, but I do not like harvesting my plants with nothing in them. Yeah. And if you've been around for a long time, uh, you you know what I mean. If you if you leach your plants down to like, I don't know, a couple hundred parts per million in your runoff, your plants tend to yellow out really bad when you, when you harvest them or, you know, before you harvest them. And you go through your drying process and typically it can affect the look, well, the, the, the lifespan of the dried flower. So you'll, you'll typically, you'll end up with your flowers kind of yellowing out or oxidizing really early. And you'll also notice that your terpene, your boutique, your terpenes aren't as loud. Um, wow, I've totally noticed that, you, but I never correlated like you just did. Damn, that it, it was a mistake. Sense. Yeah, it, it was It was 100% a mistake, man. Uh, uh, it, it basically was we were leaving to go on vacation one time, and typically I would I would measure my runoff when I was, you know, at the, at the end of my run – I flush with water. And when I say flush, I just mean like, you know, 10% runoff, 12%, nothing crazy. Because we're talking about beds, a lot of soil. So if you oversaturate them, um, you can run into root rot issues. And if you try to run too much water through them, you will pull everything out of them. So there's just this fine line that you got to ride. But I typically would measure my, my, the EC of my runoff and, um, Again, I don't want to get into too much details here, but uh, I had a, I had beans, a target. Fill the beans. <laughs> <laughs> I had a target number that I would that I would harvest the plants at. I would know that that was my last watering. If I watered and I didn't see that target n number in my EC of my runoff, then I would water one more time and I'd let them go another three or four days. I'm glad you're not giving up all of these little secrets because I think it's making people think and understand what they should be doing in these situations. Cause I don't think they're even thinking about that or taking it Probably. to levels. 
So it's like, if yeah, you they- go through this process, you would know what those numbers are because you actually took yourself through this process. So, yep. And, and it's all data driven. It's, it's, it's called keeping really, really, really tight notebooks, which nobody does. Um, People and, don't and do then- that. It's not, po- it's just, it doesn't happen nowadays in cultivation. It's half maybe, the battle. Maybe like 5% of the growers out there actually yeah. keep good data log books. Yeah. It's, it's half the battle, man. If you don't know, if you get halfway through a run and you can't remember what you did halfway through the last run, or I should even say, if you cut down a, if you cut a run down and you notice a bit of a, an, an intricacy or something's different and you can't remember what you did the run prior, you have no idea why that why that happened. You don't know why, but if you've got data, you know, oh man, that's right. You know, my, I, I, I don't know, you know, my, my, my VPD was, was out of whack, you know, for a couple of days or my, you know, I don't know. My, yeah, my, my humidity got really low or something like that, you know? Yeah. Or you overwatered and, and lost a lot of nutrients out of your soil or over- bingo. Exactly. Things like that. Exactly. So kind of back to what I was, you know, what I was getting at was, um, it was a mistake though. We had to go on vacation and my EC came out, came out kind of high. And I was like, to my wife, I'm like, babe, like, we're going to be gone. I can't, we're not going to be here. If I water again, you know, we, I won't be here. So it's got, you know, we just got to, got to handle business. So we harvested everything. And, um, I just noticed that that product held its shelf life way better. The turp profile was way louder, way stronger. Um, And, you know, I I knew I was onto something. Kind of goes with the whole drying and curing process too. That was another mistake that I did where I wasn't able to trim. You know, I I had a set date. I would let my product dry or my, you know, my whole plants dry for X amount of many days. And then I would start manicuring. And it was one of these things again, you know, went on vacation. I'm like, oh, well, is what it is. We'll see what happens. And uh, it ended up being one of the, yeah, one of the best mistakes I ever made. So I've made, I've made these really cool mistakes through my journey that have added up to who I am today. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's how we got to do it, man. You live and learn. You only learn by, by, uh, experience and failing it's just like you can't be a good cannabis grower without failing in multiple different areas i think to to prevent that from ever happening again 100 percent skinned my knees man falling on my face a couple times skinned my knees plenty of times you know but you just got to get back up and you know if you've got the uh if you love the plant and you love what you do um you just gotta get back up and keep going right get back in there and get it let's get to some more of these yep exactly i love seeing your uh, finished product photos and having an actual presentation on here now is nice you've like the most prepared most prepared guest that i've had so far on the on the podcast here hey i i owe it all to my wife the ganja princess <laughs> wow, follow the ganja princess on instagram yeah she makes me look good <laughs> the old- that's the backbone right there <laughs> Uh, my lady makes me look really good too. I'm lucky. We're all lucky to have in our lives, definitely. Lucky to have great women in our lives. Yes. Yeah. This is a picture of the uh, the Gushra Pie Four. So it is a um, again. This was in the original hunt back in 2019, 
and it is a, a sister to the three. And she looks exactly like the GP3, uh, cultivated next to one another. You could not tell the difference between them other than the GP4 has a lot of gas that comes off of it. So it's still got that whole Z blueberry profile, but a bunch of gas. And a lot of people like it. Sounds amazing. Yeah. These are all pics off of my, off my website. Very professional photos you did. I like that. Thank you. Appreciate that. So if anybody wanted to get any of the strains to seeds to grow themselves, they should be going to greenfiregenetics.com. I'm guessing krakengenetics.com. Would those be the best ways to chase down yeah. stuff? Yep, definitely. I mean, if, if Instagram works easier for you, you just jump on Instagram and, you know, uh, green, green fire genetics. Well, there's an underscore. It's underscore green fire genetics and then um, krakengenetics. The Kraken is spelled with an X on the end. It's G-E-N-E-T-I-X. Thank you. Thank you for saying Yeah, definitely. And both phenomenal breeders. They've both done a – again, I always give everybody else credit where credit is due, and they've done me a lot of justice, man. They've, they've done some, some incredible breeding and upcoming breeding projects. In fact, I've got, got some uh, seeds I'm about to start running through here from Kraken, um, and it is cereal milk crossed with uh, GP3. If I remember correctly, he did a reversal and then he pollinated uh, one of the GP3 females. So mm. that should be really interesting. That's going to be, that's going to have a lot of cool profiles that come out, come out of it. Okay. Yeah, number Blackberry Jam. Yep. Blackberry Jam. I love that kind of bud formation. Yeah, she gets – she's a beast, dude. She gets really, really big, and you're talking about the purpling. The the, the photographs don't – as you know in, in gardens when you're looking at them with, in real life, sometimes pictures don't do justice. But no, they never this, do. You can't get the smell out of it, you know. Yeah. This girl has that, that beautiful Welch's grape juice look to the flowers. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, really, really amazing girl. You actually have a lot more strains that you grow than I thought you did, man. I thought you were doing just a handful here, but you got quite a few. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I do, man. I try to keep them in rotation. Um, another really cool one, too, is, uh, so we were talking a while ago about um, the Platinum Cookie Monster. So Platinum Cookie Monster, man, that dates me, dude. But that had to have been, well, the whole cookie era. That had to have been back in what, probably 14, 15, 2014, 15, I think. And that cutting came from an acquaintance, came straight from the fam to an acquaintance. And then I ended up with it and I grew it for years. And it had a, you remember the forum cookies? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was heavy forum cookies but had this really interesting, like earthy, very earthy cookie dough, uh, like almost like dirt, like earthy, 
you know, like outdoor earthy cookie dough type uh, profile. And I, I made a pretty good name for myself with that. Um, but we did a cross of Kraken uh, did Kraken did the cross, and he did, if I remember correctly, it's it's the acai berry gelato. I don't think it was the BX. I think it was just acai berry gelato, if I remember correctly. But uh, the Monster Jam number six and the Monster Jam number ten uh, came out of that Fino hunt, and a couple different people cultivating that. I know Kraken's got it at his facility, um, Corova. And I believe they go by unrevealed. Um, and then my one of my really good partners that I've known for 20 years plus um, uh, out in uh, Massachusetts at um, Ideal Craft Cannabis. And um, it's Mike over at Ideal Craft Cannabis. And... And they've... And it, he's, he's the only one with the number 10. Kraken's got the number 6. Mm. Uh, Mike's Mike's got the number ten and the number six, but he prefers the the number ten. And number ten is it's it's amazing. It's it's a it's a crazy gelato, crazy loud, obnoxious gelato with a very interesting earthy cookie dough undertone to it. Again, one of those one of those cultivars and one of those things that you don't come across. And generally, that's how I'm kind of picking these. I'm looking for the, the most wildest profile I can find. I want something that doesn't smell like anything else, but smells like a whole bunch of stuff thrown together. Well, head to growerforlife.com. Check these photos out on your big computer and see what he's got going on there, man. I'm glad you got yourself set up on a website and got your awesome branding, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, yeah, launch of the website happened last week. Hopefully I'll have some merch up on there. Got a couple other cool things going on. And, uh, you know, I also, Tyler, I also really think that, you know, you should get Brandon from Kiss Organics on here. That guy has been a wealth of information. Like, that's my new bud, too. I love that guy. I haven't talked He's done to me him a yet. world of justice, just like yourself. Wealth of information. Ben, right? That's not Ben. That's definitely Brandon, right? Yeah, Brandon from Kiss Organics. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to reach out to him. Yeah, reach out to him. And then, um, you know, maybe we can get Greenfire on here too. She's I'd amazing. We can even do like a, a three-way version of this where we go into different strains and, and get, you know, her opinion. And, you know, and I would love to see where they're going and where they're taking genetics with these projects. I think that's that would be super fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. She's a she's a uh, an awesome person, man. Super blessed to be able to have established a uh, a friendship and a, a relationship with her. So. And and do you think you forged most of these relationships just by posting like really really good high end stuff on social media and tagging them in it, and that's how you've created relationships with them, or was it like you got to meet up at an event or something like that? So. Um... Kraken was introduced through a friend of mine and uh, it just kind of, kind of grew from there. It was, it was one of my good partners saying, you know, grower for life is, uh, you know, he's, you know, this, 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 and this, I'm pretty humble dude. So I try to, you know, he's this guy, he grows good product. <laughs> I'll just keep it at that. Right. 
and uh, Kraken knew of me and gave me some gave me some seeds. And I and I I, I started the relationship with him. With I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll do a pheno hunt and you know I'll post everything. And he was you know kind of think at the at the time you know that's that's what a lot of people do is thanks for the freebies the free seeds. And then they either just throw them in their fridge and never germinate them, or if they do, they don't really post and promote and, you know, um, back people. So that, I did exactly what I said I was going to do. That's why it's like you, you, we have so many people that are like, oh, I want to test your microbe and plant food products and this and that. And it's just like, well, you know, I don't see you posting about stuff you've tested before and how, you know, precise you've been with that. So, yeah. You know, I, I definitely, um, I think there's a level of standard when it comes to testing products and testing genetics that the industry needs to stand by. Um, and that's not widely known of what, what that standard is, except for from here from Grower for Life just said it. So, yeah, that's exactly what it is, man. And then Greenfire, dude, I, I was just so in love with her genetics. Um, and I've, I've, uh, I've ran through some of her other stuff, um, don't need to get too into that because we could go on and on and on about all the seeds that I've popped and it doesn't even matter. Um, but I just was so in love with everything that I kept getting out of her genetics that I think I just, I mean, I tagged her and, and reached out to her. I think I just kept pestering her <laughs> to be really honest. Cause I, I wanted to build a relationship with this awesome breeder. Um, I knew I had good genetics. I, you know, that I'd found in her, in her seeds and, um, and I just wanted to build a relationship and, and I know that that's really hard to do because as a grower for 25 years, man, I don't really want nothing to do with anybody, dude. I'm like, I'm an introvert. I'm under a rock. I like that. And building a relationship with me is, it's kind of hard, you know, and that's how a lot of us still continue to work. So I just kept, kept trying and trying and trying. And, you know, over the last probably been like three or four years we've become we have become really good friends so you know she's a she's a beautiful individual great great that's what you need is beautiful people in your life that can give you honesty and give you give you what you need to hear yeah exactly right exactly great so is there anything that we haven't talked about today on the podcast that you would like to bring up or highlight here um you know, not that I can think of other than, you know, just telling people that they really, really need to go try your guys' products. I am I'm blown out of the water at the at what I see after after all applications of all your guys' products. So that's like can't emphasize that enough. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, your products, your beds, too. You know, I've, I've grown in other beds before uh, the, the new living soil beds. Um, I, well, they're new to me. I know they're not new to you, but, um, with the liner on the inside, um, you know, now that I've got living soil in there, I see what the point of it is. You know, if you don't want your, your soil drying out. So, um, you guys just have an awesome lineup of everything. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. And I've specifically yeah. used what's worked really well for me. That's kind of been our vetting process for a lot of these products is how successful can I be at it? And I'm not by any means, you know, an amazing grower or anything, but uh, compared to the world of growers out there, I, I am nothing too. I'd like to humble myself as well, but um, we honestly have found something very, very special that there's nothing else like it on the market. 
uh, between our, our liquid compost teas and how we're activating it and, and giving you the products that we use to cultivate it from the beginning process to keep those microbes alive. Uh, yep. We've done everything we could to make it a, best, a really great product. And I'm glad that multiple people are seeing and having the same opinions that I've had. That's kind of it's, it's proof and makes it valid and validates it in my eyes. And, and obviously if it's valid in my eyes and your eyes, most importantly, the customer who can just pick these products up and use it, um, it's, it's success right there. Definitely. Exactly. And you know, uh, you know me really well, Tyler. So if I don't like it, I'm going to tell you, unfortunately I'm really black and white and some people like that. Some people don't, it is what it is. But, um, if something works, I'm going to tell you, this actually really works and it works really well. And here, here's the bullet points of what I saw. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to tell you, I don't really like this product. <laughs> it didn't work for me. Maybe it works for you. You know? So, um, Honest feedback is what we're always all looking for. Yes, yes. And there's constant improvements that we want to make with our products and making them better. And it's the the opinions and feedback we get from Grower for Life that's going to help us get there to have something even more better in the future. Yeah, uh, definitely. But thank you, man. Um, how about other people you'd like to see on the podcast in the next few episodes? Oh man, I think we went over that. I'm 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 really keen to to, to Brandon over at Kiss Organics. That's my guy, dude. You got to get him on here, and okay. uh, you know Green Fire Genetics. Um, as for like living soil guys and soil guys, uh, man, I'm kind of under a rock. <laughs> I know a lot of guys that have facilities, and you know they're they're doing uh they're doing other types of uh, medias. Um, I just don't know too many soil growers, honestly. Well, you know what, buddy? I'm going to change that because you're going to come to the Soil Summit 2024 event at Steve yes. Cantwell's farm. And by the time this podcast comes out, that's actually going to be released and be public knowledge. So um, I, I hope you come to the Soil Life Summit. It's going to be at Keith, Steve Cantwell's farm in Pahrump, Nevada. And yep. um, I know I've told you about it because I want you to be there. And uh, we are going to put off put on the best living soil event anybody has ever seen and it's going to be a world-class event we're going to have everybody in the living soil industry there and um if you've got any part of living soil you need to come to this event we're going to have open workshops we've got more workshops we need to fill out so once we release this event and go public with it people are going to come at us and want to host a workshop about maybe like I was talking with Leighton Morrison about layering soil and doing a workshop with that. We're going to have uh, catalyst bio amendments do a workshop on how to build compost. We're going to have Eric Branstad from greenhouse advisory group doing a workshop on greenhouses. We're going to have um, sap testing workshops and speaking. We're going to have uh, Bryant Mason, the soil doctor. Uh, he's going to be our keynote speaker. We're going to have uh, Jeremy, Silva from Build a Soil is going to be speaking one day. Wow. Uh, we're even going to have Jesse Dodd from BioVortex there. Uh, we're going to have a growers panel with some of the best living soil growers in California. Uh, the last day is going to be a growers panel with um, Chris Castle from Fora Flame. Then we're going to have Eli Buffalo from uh, uh, Moon Valley Cannabis, who's won six awards for his living soil cannabis in the last year or so. Um, and then Jesse Dodd from BioVortex. We're going to have some of the best living soil growers there to answer everybody's questions and to rub shoulders with and just hang out. We're going to have a farm to fork dinner one night that's all provided from Steve's farm. I mean, I'm just so excited. I've been holding this quiet for, for a month now, so I'm just <laughs> able to just to blast it all out right now. So, uh, 
So thank you so much, man. I hope to see you at that event. And I think it's going to be a way and an homage for growers. We want living soil growers to come out and, and hang out with us and, and get out from under that damn rock, man. Share some genetics, share some flower, have some community yeah. and learn, man. You know, it's flex what this community is about. So that's it, man. That's, uh, that's what we're doing. And, uh, gosh, I'm all pumped up now. <laughs> Excited. I know I can't wait, man. Cannot wait. <laughs> pumped up here. So we made it through everything. We made it through all your slides. I think we got through all of our bullet points here. stuff. And, um, I just really want to do this again with you, man. You know, I definitely I future, you know, whether it's three months down the road or six months down the road, or I'll do this again next week. If we can get green fire genetics on here and dive in deeper into genetics and stuff like that. So, uh, I love it. Love to do more with you, man. Definitely. I love it. Let me get my, you know, I'm a, I'm a rookie at the living soil thing by no means an expert. So I need, I need a couple more runs so that I can really get my fingers into it, really figure out what works best to me. And then, I'm sure I'll be ready to. to, to oh, to, man. Maybe we can do a three way podcast and have Brandon from Kiss Organics here. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. Well, we can go through a bunch of fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, man. Sounds well, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Um, so that's uh, season two, episode four with Grower for Life. I think everybody needs to make it to growerforlife.com, show some love. Uh, buy some swag. I definitely want a shirt. I want a hat. I want a bunch of stickers. Gotcha. Good stuff. Maybe a jar of weed someday. That would be awesome. <laughs> I think we can make that happen. <laughs> Might not happen. Okay, man. I like that a lot. Well, thank you so much today, man. Uh, stay on here for a little bit. I'm just going to hit the end on the record thing, and uh, we're doing good here, man. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much.